yesterday yesterday today i watched four um <laughs> um so i last night i was babysitting and they the kids watched spy kids for the first time oh i saw your story yeah and so last night we watched spy kids 2 island oh of gosh. dreams lost oh. dreams and oh my god i forgot how ridiculous those movies it's are like trippy uh, like i feel like they must have been on alan something. cumming is just Floop. <laughs> like, I forgot oh, he was what? in that. Yeah, I saw his face and I started cackling. And these kids are like, what, didn't you see the first one? That's just his face. It's like what he looks like. And I'm like, I know, uh, but but that he's a very famous man. And then Tony Shalhoub is in it. I didn't know that oh, either. Yeah. He's is the he one with the like four heads, the like minion guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. He shows wow. up on the screen. I squeal again. And they're like... What? Their parabola. <laughs> like, you don't know yet, but these guys are really nice and famous and okay. important. <laughs> oh man, that's fun. Oh, yeah, I saw your snap, and you're like, this kid is married to Megan Trainor. Yeah, because he is. Can you yeah. imagine? Oh, he was so sweet and endearing in this movie too. Yeah. <laughs> the way his glasses fold out to be like super magnifying. <laughs> oh, he's adorable. Hmm. <sighs> Hi. Hello. I feel like this is the first time I've sat down with you in a while. I know. It is a little bit. It's good to see you. And we're in our apartment. Yeah. Mm. We're home in Brooklyn. We're home. Um, welcome to Millennial Poet Society, all of you listening. Hi. Hi. I'm Marguerite Virginia. I'm Emily Klein. And this is a podcast if you're just joining us for the first time this episode. Welcome. We talk about poetry and life and what it's like to live in this 20, we're still the 21st century, yeah? It is indeed, mm-hmm. for a while <laughs> still. Got a while to go. <laughs> it's the very beginning, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I would ask you what you were binging today, but I know what you were binging today because it was on when I walked in. It was, uh, Grey's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty predictable mm-hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> Not ashamed. I, I called my sister today and she was on a long walk and I play, gave her a play-by-play of the episode. Oh my God. But she doesn't watch Grey's Anatomy, so uh-huh. I was trying so she to... Was just like... What? Yeah, I was trying to like explain everybody all the characters and how they're mm-hmm. com- connected, and I had a funny moment. I realized how ridiculous the whole thing is because you know sometimes you you're in a show and you you can't see how weird it is mm-hmm. when you're in it, right? But then when you're I took a, it to someone, I took a step back and I I was like, well, this person's having a baby and this is a problem, and then. Well, then this other person, they got into a car crash, but then they're, they're also having a baby, but they were born with a problem, too. So, like, and I was realizing how different, but yet very similar all of the characters are and the problems that they face. So, like, there's always going to be, like, one doctor who doesn't want a baby, but then all the other doctors are getting pregnant, and it, it's just, like, it's a thing, and mm-hmm. makes but, me laugh, but... I love it anyway. Shonda, mm-hmm. I will stand by you until the day I die. <laughs> what about you? Um, I 
I haven't binged anything in a few days. I haven't watched too much YouTube or um, or TV. The fan on my computer just turned on. I feel like it's quite yeah. loud. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was listening to a podcast on the way home. It, um, every Monday, my brother, my brother and me comes out. Ma bim bam. Ma bim bam. So I was listening to that. I didn't finish the episode because, um, I was trying to finish my notes for this. <laughs> but I started listening to it. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what that's what I was listening to. Um love that podcast. Um awesome. Yeah. I haven't really binged anything the past few days that I can can think of. Just my regular morning um hot, hot ones. ones. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Yeah. You like what you like. I love it. It's a nice way to start off the day with some hot wings. I wanna like one day do the like lineup of hot sauces I feel like really like, I, yeah. I'm so not a spice person I love spicy things I love spicy things and I I like my dream is to one day go on there like be <laughs> on the show and then because he always asks how people are with hot stuff and I'm like I like hot stuff like really spicy things are gonna get to me or whatever right. but I have my story that is <laughs> there, <Tell> was, <laughs> there was one time when there, there's just this like Tex-Mex place back home upstate, and so we were getting, I got like a burrito or something like that, and they had this salsa on the table, like in a bottle, um, or like hot sauce, uh, and I had, it, maybe it was like more like a salsa type thing, I don't know, but I looked at it and it was green, and I was like, that's salsa verde, and did not read the label, and slathered it all over the burrito. Excellent. Proceeded to start eating it, it was very hot, and I like... And I looked at the bottle, and it was habanero hot sauce oh, that I goodness. had doused my food in. Oh. But I felt bad because I was like, it's my fault. I didn't look at the label, and so I wasn't going to – I didn't want to – I didn't tell anyone, <laughs> and I didn't want to ask for a new thing because I'm like, that's a waste of food. Oh. And so I proceeded to eat the entire thing. I felt sick to my stomach because it was just literally drenched this burrito or whatever I was eating in habanero sauce, and it was – it stuck with me. <laughs> that Catholic guilt will get you every yeah, time. Yeah. Oh boy. How was that? Because you felt bad. You didn't. Oh, know about like wasting food. About, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So that's Amazing. my that's my Sean Evans. If you're listening, <laughs> let me oh tell my that God, story on there. Hi. See, I remembered his last name this time too, and his first name, which you had trouble with the last time. <laughs> so that's good. You're getting somewhere. Coming somewhere. along. You've We're watched enough. Along. Yes. So, uh, we just want to let you guys know that we have loved getting our, um, submissions. Hopefully you guys have listened to our first episode of, uh, Who's to Say that came out on Tuesday. Yay! Tonight, it comes out tomorrow when we're recording this, so we're both very excited about it. Cannot wait to hear from you guys. Yes, Emily's episode. And so, on that topic, um, we would love to keep getting submissions from you guys and um, hear, read your lovely poetry and share it with the rest of the world. So if you have some poetry that you would like to share with us and for us to consider for our Who's to Say episodes, you can email it to us at millennialpoetssociety at gmail.com. You can find that Gmail address because we know it's a little bit long. You can find it on our Instagram profile. Um, and on Instagram, we are mps underscore podcast. Uh, you can go ahead and give us a follow while you're there. And then, uh, there should be a little, just 
link that you can just say click on and say email them and send us your stuff so we would love to get that and uh, share some of your work with the world and you are welcome to share anonymously if you so choose or by a pen name but um, or you can be like me and just lay it all out there oh yeah <laughs> Emily Clyde give me the full name <laughs> so yeah do it up <laughs> We really do love reading your guys' submissions. It's mm-hmm. so fun to see that we're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys, mm-hmm. you write some beautiful work, too, so we cannot wait. We have some really great stuff coming your way soon. Very excited. Shall um, I go first? I think now that we've had to go back and re-listen to episode four <laughs> to figure out who goes first. <laughs> oh, it, was a, it was a struggle. We Because we recorded it over a week ago. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's... Mm-hmm. It's been a while. So long ago. Memory so is long ago. a hard thing to grasp. I cannot be bothered <laughs> to listen to my own podcast. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're the first ones to listen to it as soon as it gets oh my God. published. Uh, I love the sound of my voice. So, <laughs> so why don't we listen to it I right will... now while you tell us about some poets. Oh, okay, let me just cozy on up here. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my first poet is... My computer went dead. Oh no. My first poet is Brenda Shaughnessy. Mm. She, I was really excited to um, come across her work. I had heard of her before, but uh, never actually read anything. And if I did, it was like quotes from a Pinterest picture I saw or something, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they just sort of stuck with me. But so I was excited to learn more about her. Yeah. She was born in 1970 in Okinawa. And she grew up in Southern California. She has a BA in literature and women's studies at the University of California, Santa Cruz. And she got her MFA at Columbia University. She is the author of Interior with Sudden Joy, Human Dark and with Sugar, Our Andromeda, So Much Synth, and uh, the Octopus Museum, which is coming hmm. this month. Oh, very, very exciting. exciting. Yeah. yeah, do you know what day? I don't know what day exactly, but I, it said April 2019, so mm. it could be out today. Who knows? Who knows? Who's but, to say? Um, I'm very excited to read it. Um, the, her last book, So Much Synth, is what this poem I'm going to read is from. Mm-hmm. The title, the what is it? Dark, dark Human with, Dark with Sugar? It makes me think of coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually, I read that the poem that mm-hmm. that is from, and... It's like the middle of a line. Mm. It's like, you are so human, dark with sugar, or something like that. Yeah. So it's like the middle of a line. Oh, it, was, it just I snuck like right in there, and I was like, oh, I love that. That's cool. It was very nice. It's a good line. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was awarded a Bunting Fellowship at the Red Cliff Institute for Advanced Study at Harvard University. And her book, Human Dark with Sugar, won the James Laughlin Award for the Academy of American Poets. Many, many other awards as well for all of her works. She's she's world-renowned. Mm. Uh, her poems have been featured in The New Yorker, The Paris Review, and many other places. Uh, On Andromeda was chosen as Book of the Year by Library Journal as well. Mm. So that's a high honor. Yeah. Um, I was reading her Poetry Foundation biography, yeah. the little bio that they have. God and, bless the Poetry Foundation. Oh my gosh, I swear. <laughs> Donate, donate, donate. Mm-hmm. Become a member. Do all the things they ask you to do because they give me everything. <laughs> uh, so according to the Poetry Foundation, her work is known for its ability to twin opposites. 
meaning her poems are both playful and erotic, lyrical and funny, formal and strange. Mm. Um, she's taught at universities, including Columbia, the New School, Princeton, and NYU. And she's currently an associate professor of English at Rutgers University, New York. Oh, okay. And she lives in Brooklyn with her husband. So, yeah, ooh, represent. Ooh. Just Love like it. my, I guess I have a theme going. My poet last week, um, Delmore Schwartz, was from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. so. Well, yeah, and I've had R.H. Sin yeah, in Brooklyn yeah. and um, Tracy K. Smith. Uh, in the That's first right. episode, she That's had right. lived in Brooklyn, even though now she's moved to New Jersey. It's fine. It's I feel okay. like that's in the cards for all of us, maybe. <laughs> we I all eventually fade away into New Jersey. <laughs> she uh, hasn't faded away. I'm not saying No, that. my God, no. <laughs> she is out there living life. It's just also in New Jersey. <laughs> it's just New Jersey. Okay. No, no shit on New Jersey, though. We well, swear. Right. Yeah. So this Moving is on. <laughs> so this is her poem, and it is titled "I Have a Time Machine." Hmm. I have a time machine, but unfortunately, it can only travel into the future at a rate of one second per second, <laughs> which seems slow to the physicists and to the grant committees, and even to me. But I managed to get there, time after time, to the next moment and to the next. Thing is, I can't turn it off. I keep zipping ahead. Well, not zipping. And if I try to get out of this time machine, open the latch, I'll fall into space, unconscious, then desiccated. And I'm pretty sure I'm afraid of that. So I stay inside. There's a window, though. It shows the past. It's like a television or fish tank. But it's never live. It's always over. The fish swim in backward circles. Sometimes it's like a rearview mirror. Another chance to see what I'm leaving behind. And sometimes like a blackout. All that time wasted sleeping. Myself, age eight, whole head burnt with embarrassment at having lost a library book. Myself, lurking in a candled corner, expecting to be found charming. Me, holding a rose, though I want to put it down so I can smoke. Me, exploding at my mother, who explodes at me because the explosion of some dark star all the way back struck hard at mother's mother's mother. I turn away from the window, anticipating a blow. I thought I'd find myself an old woman by now, traveling so light in time, but I haven't gotten far at all. Strange not to be able to pick up the pace as I'd like. The past is so horribly fast. Hmm. I like is, that a lot. I do too. Uh, so like I said, it's from her collection, So Much Synth. Um, I really love this section where she starts doing the the look back, uh, listing memories of herself as she can see from the rearview mirror. Yeah. So she's herself at age eight, holding her rose, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that that's such beautiful imagery. Yeah. And it really struck me and made me want to think back to moments like that in my mm -hmm. life that seemed maybe a little mundane, but you know, we, we never really know what's going to pass through our like right. life in a, when, when life passes through our, across right, our face, right, you know? Right. Um, so I just thought it was so interesting that she chose those moments and why she mm -hmm. chose those moments. Um, so this poem seems to explore the idea that there is a generational hurt 
I think um, that can be seen between mothers and daughters, especially in that one line, me exploding <clears throat> at my mother, who explodes at me because the explosion of some dark star all the way back struck hard at mother's mother's mother. Um, and in an interview, there's, well, there's this really cute, cool interview with um, Brenda and Natalie Louise Tombasco from Booth Journal, where they discuss this book in particular. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brenda says that we need to break the mold with this. Um, she says, let's say my mom baits me the way she always does, but what happens if I don't take the bait? You do something different. The way hurts happen from mother to daughter is that mother is passing on hurts inflicted on her that were not examined. So what we can do to better those relationships is to really take a look and write something like this or, mm -hmm. or do whatever you need to do to look back on yourself and, yeah. and see maybe your misfortunes or what hurts you have so that you can be a better person for the other people in your life. And if mm -hmm. that happens to be a daughter, then great. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, and I love that she's so open with, with her speech about those kind of things as a, a daughter myself. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's a, a pretty good message to send, you know, yeah. trying to look back at your own life and learn from your past mistakes so right. that you can pass on a brighter future to whoever is in your life, whether they be a daughter or a friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it's this, it's this fascinating interview that I wish I could literally read every word of it to you guys. It's yeah. like, it's so cool. Like she well, just, what was the name of the, or was there like an article that it was? I'm going to post a link on mm -hmm. social media so that you guys can all read it. Cause yeah, post it to the Facebook page or something. It's so yeah. interesting. Um, so, yeah, she makes some really interesting points about how we can parent children and how it how it feeds into rape culture today, specifically. Mm -hmm. I think this book really deals with um, a lot of, like, coming into your own mm -hmm. um, womanhood in general. Right. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on this last line. Okay. The poetry, uh, sorry, the past is so horribly fast. I think that's a beautiful line, but I want to know mm -hmm. what you think she means by that. I really liked it too, yeah, when you first said it. Uh, and what it sort of sparked in my mind is the thought that, like, the thought that the past, like, once it's over, it's over, and so it seems like it's gone by so quick because right. it's all behind you now, mm -hmm. and it's like you can't, it's sort of grasping at it or potentially wanting to go back to it right. makes it seem like it's gone by so fast, and just the whole thought of, like, being wherever you are in life and, and sort of, I mean, especially now, like, as adults and whatnot, you sort of are like, how did I end up here already? Right, Like, exactly, it just seems exactly. like it's gone by in such a flash. And because there's certain, I feel like there's certain ages that I'm at or certain things, like, chunks of life where I'm like, it seems a little bit of a blur. Like, mm -hmm. it's gone by really quick and I can't necessarily pick out a specific day that something happened or a specific, right. and I'm just sort of like, it was all a blur. And so it make it seems like it sort of just whizzed by. Right, right. Yeah. I think that this is a um, a really interesting, relatable sort of phenomenon that yeah. happens. Mm -hmm. You know, you look back over your life, and you're assuming that you know when you zoom back up and mm -hmm. you you look at yourself in the mirror, you're going to see this like old but like really wise person. Right. And then you're like, wait, really? Actually, I, what have I been doing this whole time? I'm right. a, I'm a baby. You know. Well, I, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's that whole idea of like 
when I think back to when I was maybe 15, looking mm -hmm. at someone who's 25 years old, and I'm like, oh my God, they're so old and wise, and they've done all these things, right. and now I'm 25, looking back, and I'm like, <laughs> what no, <laughs> like, oh, that's not how it, it is. is. So, it's so true, <laughs> and I, I just think she really encapsulated that so well mm -hmm. into this poem. That, that line of, you know, I thought I'd find myself an old woman by now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I, some days I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, how am I not as cool as I thought I'd be? Or how am I not where I thought I'd be? Mm -hmm. Why did 25 seem so big back then? But there's also the idea of, like, a lot of times I'll sort of, and I mean, I, I will sit there and think and be like, uh, if I, if you had told 15 year old me that I would have done everything that I've done and be where I am now, yeah. like I would, I would not be able to comprehend it. Right. And so there's that, like in a good way. Right. And like, right. what the fuck? Like my life has become just like, I, yeah, <laughs> Look at I was the dorky right. little like <laughs> chubby girl in the class, like doing all my math and whatever oh. and like <laughs> never perfect. thought I would be living in I, yeah but also just like wouldn't have been able to like even dream about all the things that have I've done and have happened and gotten to do and everything yeah uh, so in this uh, also in this same interview which I love again um, she describes the poems included in this book as um, quote mixtape poems, mm. meaning that they're um, being used as a tool of communication for a generation to establish identity, create permanency, mm. and say, "Love me, <laughs> listen to me always," which I kind of love. Like that yeah. is th this sort of. I mean, in a way, these Instagram poets we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. It is a mixtape. For yeah. our generation, we don't have B sides. We don't have, you know, mm, we don't have our cassettes. And, yeah. yeah, but we have social media, and mm -hmm. we have this immediate way to express our feelings in and to and to change our image mm -hmm. and and to be known in a certain way forever. And I think that that's so interesting. And and she really, I'm excited to read the rest of this book. But yeah. she she really did a good job of describing that I think in this interview and then mm -hmm. in, in the poems that I've read from this book as well mm -hmm. there's one poem in particular I can't find a free version of online <laughs> from this book but I plan to do it in the future and it's called is there something I should know and it's about the transition from innocence to experience mm -hmm. you know a girl's journey through puberty and, <clears throat> and all the secrets ridicule and angst that go along with that mm -hmm. sort of change um, and I, I cannot wait to read it. She talks yeah. so much about it in the, and the, the little quotes that I can find. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. I really love that. And uh -huh. so I'm excited to, to read it. Yeah. Yeah. I love just the concept of like that. She sets up right at the beginning and in the title and everything of thinking of ourselves as a time machine. Yeah. Because we are, we are these beings. We're not machines necessarily, but, right. uh, were these things traveling through time and like we are like we're time travelers right like, right no I love um, that and and in a way like no we can't go back to the past but we have that in our minds and we can 
through our thoughts and whatever travel back in time right. and and right. through video and through, like it's yeah I love that concept um, and I like it makes it just makes being us like a little more special like when you think about oh it my that God, way yeah yeah you're right yeah. so that is Brenda Shaughnessy and her poem I have a time machine I love it me too um, my next one is Ross Gay. He is uh, an American poet, mm -hmm. born August 1st, 1974, in Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, hey! So, oh, represents OH. Uh, he received a BA in English and Art from Lafayette College, an MFA in Poetry from Sarah Lawrence College, and a PhD in American Literature from Temple University. Doctor! So, Dr. Ross Gay. He is... Amazing. Uh, he's the author of three collections of poetry, including Catalog of Unabashed Gratitude in 2015, mm. uh, which was the winner of the National Book Critics Circle Award <laughs> and the Kingsley Tufts Award, Bringing the Shovel Down from 2011, and Against Which in 2006. Um, oh, and then also, I guess, one more book, so four collections. Mm -hmm. um, his most recent book is called The Book of Delights mm. Essays. So, um, I actually listened to a reading from that book while I was looking up stuff from So, so it's three collections of poetry and then the other and then a collection of essays. They're essays, but they're poetic like long essays. Long-form poems, you know, they're, they're long-form poems, essentially. But it really is a cool subject for him to talk about, where he's literally every essay is just on some other little delight in his life, which I was mm. like, how sweet and how... That's so great lovely to read it was it was very entertaining to listen to him read and I think that was right as he had written them the reading was of one of them that he had written on the plane to this reading so mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. kind of fun to, mm. to hear that yeah um he is the founding editor with Carissa Chen and Patrick Rosal of the online sports magazine <laughs> some call it ballin <laughs> <laughs> and he's also the editor of the chapbook press Avenue and Ledge Mule Press. Uh, mm. Currently, he teaches at Indiana University and in Drew University's low residency MFA program in poetry and poetry in translation. Mm. So he keeps really busy. I love that he's a professor. Mm -hmm. um, I think it'd be so cool to listen to him lecture on poetry. Yeah. Just the, because of the way that he is at his readings, it mm -hmm. seems like a really cool guy. I have a, my friend is um, getting her master's in, uh, like, not translation necessarily, but like linguistics, I think. Um, mm. But I was talking to her, and she has a friend who translates poetry. Oh, um, fun. And uh, just you talking about poetry and translation made me think of that. And she was, she said she's, Wants to try to get see if he'll submit some of the poetry that he's translated and everything. Um, uh, I think she said she, he translates from Arabic. Oh, um, wow, beautiful. Yeah, so uh, that, it's just not something. And she said, she was like, yeah, in one of your episodes you mentioned that the poem was translated. Like, I would love for you guys to talk more about the translator and the process awesome. and everything. So that could be a cool thing to talk about in the future. Definitely. Not something that I would, I, I, that feedback is what's great because like, that's not anything that I would have ever thought to sort of focus on yeah. or something. But it was the Pablo Neruda poem? Yeah, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's so, so wonderful. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely have to look into more. I cool would idea. love to start looking into poems that have been translated too. Yeah, there's 
Oh, fr- oh, what's his name? Literally a um, whole world of poetry. <laughs> uh, Garcia Lorca mm, and mm-hmm. all of his stuff too. I mean, mostly yeah. plays, but he does a lot of beautiful poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and one last thing about him. His poems have appeared in literary journals and magazines including American Poetry Review, Harvard Review, Columbia, a journal of poetry and art, and many more. <laughs> I will be reading a poem called Sorrow Is Not My Name, mm. and it is from his book Bringing the Shovel Down. <laughs> All this seltzer. I've been burping over here the whole time. That's why I keep putting my hand okay, here. I'm like, I, was, I thought maybe I was doing something wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. That was me trying to say a burp. Okay. <laughs> could be good. Okay. This is called... <laughs> this is 25, people. <laughs> burping and... <laughs> Talking. <laughs> Aching. <laughs> okay. Sorrow is not my name. After Gwendolyn Brooks. No matter the pool toward brink, no matter the florid, deep sleep awaits, there is a time for everything. Look, just this morning, a vulture nodded his red, grizzled head at me, and I looked at him, admiring the sickle of his beak. Then the wind kicked up, and after arranging that good suit of feathers, he up and took off, just like that. And to boot, there are, on this planet alone, something like two million naturally occurring sweet things, some with names so generous as to kick the steel from my knees. Agave, persimmon, stickball, the purple okra I bought for two bucks at the market. Think of that. The long night, the skeleton in the mirror, the man behind me on the bus taking notes. Yeah, yeah. But look, my niece is running through a field calling my name. My neighbor sings like an angel, and at the end of my block is a basketball court. I remember, my color's green. I'm spring. For Walter Akins. Hmm. And that is the poem, Sorrow is Not My Name. Oh, that's really nice. Isn't that, like, fun to listen to? Yeah. He writes in such a, a beautiful way that it, it sort of flows, and the way that you, the way that it looks even, it's sort of like a little waterfall, the way mm-hmm. that the lines are structured. Mm-hmm. Um, cr- critics that, that critique Roske's work uh, say that he is a poet whose work often seems to insist upon seeking out joy in the midst of despair. Mm. And I find that to be such a beautiful um, call, you know, for a poet. Yeah. Um, There's this beautiful juxtaposition in the lines of this poem specifically, like when he's talking about the red grizzled vulture and Mm. one, two lines after that, he's talking about agave, persimmon, and all Mm. the sweet things. Um, And I think this is the kind of poem that preaches the sort of, well, sends the sort of message that pain shouldn't be your sole teacher in life, Mm -hmm. you know? I think, Mm -hmm. so, it shows you both uh, death and decay right next to the hopeful images of spring, and I think that it's a great picture to paint here as we're heading into April. I yeah. thought that was a fun thing mm-hmm. to to start thinking about. You know, the weather's getting warmer and we're right. 
we're seeing that sort of juxtaposition right next to each right, other right, right. in life. Mm -hmm. So for for him to end it on my color's green, I'm spring. You yeah. know, it just really tied it together mm -hmm. in, in such a a beautiful way. Yeah. Well, and I love it. It makes you think about the simple little things in life that like can brighten your day, even if you're having a shitty day. Like yeah. think about. Persimmon, persimmon, what? and agave, and like these just simple things that you wouldn't. They're just these little things. Like they don't. They're not a big thing, right? <laughs> well, to relish in the fact that you know there are, like he says, something like two million naturally occurring sweet things. Right. So th that can mean whatever you need it to. Is right. it sweet to the taste, or is mm -hmm. it sweet that I can have a basketball court at yeah. the end of my block? Like right. how sweet. And it's, yeah, it's important to take a step back and acknowledge those things. And it's okay to, even if something may seem small to you or may mm -hmm. seem, it's, it's important to acknowledge that because then if you don't, life is just drab and monotone. Yeah. I think it's also important that he notes that these, like, both sides of spring yeah. are here and noted, you know, the decay, the rebirth, they're mm -hmm. right next to each other. And they can both be found inside the speaker, mm -hmm. who is almost personifying this spring. Right. Um, that one cannot exist without the other, right. and that it's totally okay to have both of these feelings mm -hmm. going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool, yeah, a really and a, cool message. Yeah, yeah, and because that's the other thing that, like, these other things won't necessarily. They can't. They're not sweet unless you know what bitter is. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he was once asked, once asked in a, a Q and A after a reading how he was able to write a collection of quote happy poems, mm. and he said, "While these poems reflect or express or document or imagine a kind of happiness, they are like joy made with and very much about an awareness that our lives are filled with difficulty, with pain." Mm -hmm. The joyful poems are occasioned by the truth that we are all suffering because we're all dying. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of his poetry really centralizes on that theme, mm -hmm. that joy and pain don't negate each other, but mm -hmm. that the point of a poem like this isn't just to learn from the pain, but to learn about the pain too. Yeah. So to give them both equal space in life and, mm -hmm. and to see that joy comes from both of these things that, right. that you need to have one to feed the other. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think it's, it's a beautiful sort of smooth cyclical poem mm -hmm. that um, really, I just, I thought it was beautiful and perfect for a nice spring. Yeah. Going into spring. Listen, we're at you the know? first week of April. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Very nice. Yeah. Well, now that I've just rubbed mascara all over my face, I think. Um, <laughs> Is it a good time for a, for a break? I guess so. <laughs> Go clean myself up. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> my eye was itchy and I was like, I, you don't have anything This like is a podcast. I can rub my makeup all over my face as much as I want. So. <laughs> Sorry. Love it. Love it. Righto, love. Uh oh. Um, Your turn. Welcome back. My turn. Welcome <laughs> back, riders. How was your ride? What? Have you ever been to 
Cedar Point? I have not. Oh. Well, <laughs> Even though I lived in Ohio for America's <laughs> rocking roller coast. I, I wanted to go and then I just never did. I was supposed to go sometime in high school. We were supposed to have like a, a band trip there or something. And then well, you would have probably met me. We I mean, didn't, you wouldn't like, have met me, but <laughs> I would have been there at the same time. We would time. have been in the same space <laughs> at the same time. Um, <laughs> lovely. Well, <laughs> welcome back. Welcome to Millennial Birthday. Um, Once again. Mm-hmm, hi. So, my turn. Yay. Yay. Uh, my first poet is Ursa. Ursa. Um, I, she, she has a lovely British, British accent, so uh. <laughs> I was like, I believe it's Ursa. Uh, Daily Ward. Um, uh, she was born in 1989. Uh, she's of mixed West Indian and West African heritage, born to a Jamaican mother and Nigerian father, and was raised by her grandparents in a small northern town um, in England. She became a model in her 20s in and like lived in London and everything, but then she moved to South Africa uh, for three years because she felt that the models, well, because the models there looked more like her and there was more diversity there. She hmm. she experienced um, just some like racism, and there wasn't as much diversity. And she was really struggling as a model in London, just because of there were less opportunities for her. Yeah. Um, so while she was in South Africa, she began to perform and was being recognized for her poetry in Cape Town. Shortly after she moved back to London in 2012, she was invited back to South Africa to work alongside the British Council, headlining two poetry festivals in uh, Johannesburg. So she is known for her shorter poems on topics such as identity, race, mental health, and femininity, and is vocal about topics relating to depression and mental health and whatnot. Right on. Yeah. Um, her first book called Bone was, she self-published it in 2014, and then it was reissued by Penguin Books in 2017. Um, so all those self-publishers out there, yeah, it can happen. Keep the dream alive. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, they published it, uh, in... 2017, and it was very well received. She is, and while she's best known for her poetry, both written and spoken, she has also released a book of short stories. She actually released it before she had released Bone. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and it's called On Snakes and Other Stories. She had published it in 2013. I would assume also self-published, since um, then when she published Bone, that was um, self-published. Right. So, she is also sometimes referred to it's a hot topic on here um, as an Instagram poet because she uses social media, especially Instagram and Twitter, to promote her work and share her work and everything. Um, and she's given uh, a TEDx talk titled Your Stories and You. She identifies as a young black LGBTQ plus female activist and feminist. And she said, if you're afraid, in an interview, uh, she said, I believe... This one was not with The Guardian. This one was with L, I believe, from this quote. Um, if you're afraid to write it, that's a good sign. I suppose you know you're writing the truth when you're terrified. Which mm-hmm. is, I think, just I a love cool that. sentiment. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she has published a memoir uh, called The Terrible that just came out in 2018. Oh. Yeah. And, um, and then in a, this quote is from an interview with The Guardian. She said... 
so she also acts a little bit. Um, she said, in acting and modeling, I was so busy expressing what somebody else wanted that I'd completely shut down my own voice. I didn't have any mirrors. I couldn't speak my reality to anybody. There's no cage now. Lots of people are afraid to tell the truth, but I don't care. So Yeah, I feel that. Mm -hmm. I mean, as actors, I'm sure you can also um, relate to that. Mm -hmm. That it's it can be some it can be really strenuous to I mean, I feel like we've been pretty lucky, at least I've been pretty lucky to work with people that for the most part will honor ideas that I bring mm -hmm. to the table right. so that little parts of me can shine through mm -hmm. with the character. But right. for the most part, it's not your words. It's not mm -hmm. your story. Right. You know, so... And then if you have someone maybe directing you and not necessarily letting you bring stuff to the table, open, then right. that part can even be not really you. Right. And mm -hmm. so I, I definitely would agree that finding a place or time to write mm -hmm. is, is really helpful in yeah. making sure that I feel like my voice is being heard and that I remember mm -hmm. what I'm standing up for and what my story is. And what your voice, yeah, what you are saying. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. What I want to be known for and mm -hmm. I think that's really important. So good for her for yeah. being able to do both. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. I am going to be doing a poem from her book called uh, Bone. And I don't, I, it doesn't have a title. Unless, her book is set up interesting where a lot of times there will be like a single line at the top separated from the rest of the poem. Mm -hmm. But it's not, like it doesn't look like a title. It Clementine just looks like, that. yeah, okay. yeah. So, I don't know that it has a title or if this is, yeah. It's cool. It is. You don't know the half of it. According to you... People like me shouldn't go into places like this or be around people like these, but you don't know the half of it. The brightest of stars, frankly, are just a load of hot air. And diamonds, sadly, are just formed from dust and rock, and the butterfly, remember, used to crawl on its belly and tiny legs through the dirt. Mmm. I like so, that. I like yeah. that last line. Mm -hmm. The butterfly, remember. Mm -hmm. used to crawl through it on its belly through the dirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's very Crawl vivid. on its belly and tiny legs through the dirt. Tiny legs mm -hmm. are a butterfly. So, I love it. She's like, I'm going to call you on your bullshit. Like, I can be wherever I want to be. I'm going to take up the space that I deserve to take up. Mm -hmm. I deserve to be here. And, um, and it goes along with, like, I thought of, I don't know exactly when this one was written, but it made me think of her talking about uh, being in the modeling industry and whatnot yeah. and not necessarily having, struggling and ha not having opportunities and stuff when she was in London and everything. Um, so I wonder if, I mean, I'm sure it comes from a load of experiences that she's had to go through, but um, it, in doing the research, it made me just think sort of specifically of that and her time um, pursuing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a brutal industry for anybody. And then to mm -hmm. add on the fact that you're a person of color mm -hmm. when representation so matters, but it's just not happening. Appreciated and, and exactly. strived for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and just thinking about, like, it's also, I think, just important to think about what is behind, like, I will sometimes sit there and think, 
like, <laughs> just about money in general and everything and how, like, where does money come from? It comes from us valuing gold. What is gold? It's literally these shiny rocks that some caveman found yeah. one day and was like, this is shiny. Let me trade it for your fur. This and then the like, best thing. yeah. And so just <laughs> like, I sometimes so sit there trumps. and think about that. Yeah. yeah. And so her just talking about like diamonds, it's, it's just made from dust and yeah. rocks and everything. Yeah. And, and, and so it's important sometimes when we get caught up in things and caught up in maybe thinking that we're, like, better than the person next to us and whatnot. Like, right. no, we're all humans occupying this space and we all deserve space and deserve to be right where we are or where we want to be. And we're allowed to strive to be wherever we want to be. Right. Um, so, yeah, I liked, I liked that little poem. I think that's beautiful. It's a very strong message. And, again, that's such... So many, so few words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, with the shorter Instagram. But it's it's longer it's than longer some of the... It's longer than normal yeah. Yeah. Instagram posts. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Beautiful. Um, my next poet is... You, you might have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Frost. I'm sorry. Who? Mm-hmm. Who is that? I don't know. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, he was born March 26th, 1874, and lived until January 29th, 1963. Uh... What was the... His year he was born? 1874. Oh. Oh my god, he was old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How great! He was like 90... He was 89. Wow. Did I do that math right? I think I did. I'm not checking. <laughs> sure! <laughs> I'm pretty sure. He... Uh, was born in California, but moved to Massachusetts when he was 11, and, um... That's a change. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, it's, a uh, that distinction, he, a lot of his work is focused around sort of nature and the Northeast and all that stuff, mm-hmm. so, um, it clearly had a, had a big impact on him moving to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he became interested in reading and writing poetry during high school, and he enrolled in Dartmouth in 1892, and then uh, moved to Harvard at some point. But he never actually earned a formal college degree, which I think is really interesting. Slacker. <laughs> just kidding. Just did nothing. Um, he was just he was so busy being Robert freaking Frost. Robert Frost. That. He didn't have time to get a petty degree. Right. What? I don't blame him. That? If I were that talented, I wouldn't <laughs> go to college either. Um, he, after leaving school, he tried his hand at several occupations, um, or did several occupations. Uh, he was a teacher, a cobbler, um, and an editor of the Lawrence Sentinel, which was a publication. Um, I think it's funny that he was a cobbler. Just yeah. Like, just making shoes. Right. <laughs> I teach. I make shoes. <laughs> you know. The, the normal things. Yeah. <laughs> In 1895, he married Eleanor Miriam White, who uh, he'd shared valedictorian honors with in high school Aww. and was a major inspiration for his poetry. So I don't know. Aww. I don't know if they had been like high school sweethearts and then reconnected or if they had stayed, like if they were always sweet, but I just thought that was really that's sweet. Super and they cute. shared their, like they were both the valedictorian. <laughs> um, I think that's so cool. Uh, he, or they, <laughs> this is kind of 
funny to me. <laughs> they So they moved to England in 1912 after they tried their hand and failed at farming in New Hampshire. <laughs> they were like, oh, I know. They got really this drunk. This is what we're going to do. They got really drunk one night and they were like, I should have we should have a barn <laughs> and fill it with cows animals and animals. It'll be so great. We're going like, to grow some corn. We'll just grow all our food. We'll live off the land. Yes, you know? this rich n- New, New Hampshire land. Farm. And then they decided. <laughs> and then they're, they're like, like, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're going no. to England. <laughs> we have to work with cows. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> That's a no for me, dog. So they moved to England, and there he met Ezra Pound, who helped promote and publish his work. Oh, casual. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because, so he's an American poet, obviously, uh, but his work was initially published in England before it was in America, hmm. uh, because he they moved there, and then he right. focused more on um, that and making that connection and everything. Um, he's known for his realist depictions of rural life and command his command of American colloquial uh, language. Hmm. And um, and a quote: This is from Poetry.org. Uh, they said he's a quintessentially modern poet in his adherence to language as it is actually spoken, um, which is uh, cool. Like it's he he was really skilled at like talking how people would talk and I think that's why it spoke to a lot of people because it was yeah. just easy to I feel like Shakespeare to like go did that. With. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they <laughs> I didn't put it in my notes, but <laughs> since you said that, um there were people who said that he was like the American bard or whatever oh, just because cool. of yeah, because of his ability to do that and like relate to people and and everything. Yeah. Um so he often wrote about settings from rural life in New England, like I said, um in uh the 20th century using them to examine complex social and philosophical themes. Uh, he has, uh, so he served um, as a consultant in poetry, so once he moved back to the States, um, he served as a consultant in poetry to the Library of Congress from 1958 to 1959, and he's received, obviously, a lot of recognition, including four Pulitzer Prizes oh my God. Uh, for poetry and a Congressional Gold Medal. So, just like, you know. Just casually (laughs) decorated poet. I know. (laughs) Um, And, uh, again, this is from Poetry.org. They said, he was a poet of traditional verse forms and metrics who remained steadfastly aloof uh, from the poetic movements and fashions of his time. He was just like, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, you guys can do what you want, but I like how I write, and so I'm going to stick to that. Like, it's worked for me this far. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's amazing. And, um, notable person that enjoyed his poetry, JFK, said, uh, he saw poetry, about Robert Frost, he saw poetry as the means of saving power from itself. When power leads man towards arrogance, poetry reminds him of his limitations. When power narrows the areas of man's concern, poetry reminds him of the richness and diversity of his existence. When power corrupts, poetry cleanses. Mm. I've heard that bit of the quote before. When mm-hmm. power corrupts, poetry cleanses. Yeah. Mm. So that's actually kind of an interesting quote for it to be from a, a U.S. president. Was he right? Currently 
president at the time. I believe. I mean, it probably. doesn't really. Matter, I don't know exactly, but I think I would assume. Mm-hmm. But so for a sitting president to mm-hmm. to say that, a that's very different from what we have right now. <laughs> um, but then B, it's a little bit like those honors that um, Pablo Neruda would got when yeah. like, oh, we have to honor our poets with oh, right, right. missions of, of diplomacy. You know, and, right, diplomacy. Yeah. But, but Maybe I that was it, their thought know? process. Right, <laughs> to, like, to show that there are other ways to win wars and, mm-hmm. and to create new worlds yeah. other than power. You know, poetry right. can do this, too, or, or mm-hmm. art in general can yeah. do this, too. So mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's a very interesting thought, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, that. right. I loved that. Um, so I'm going to read you, I have this book here, uh, Selected Poems of Robert Frost, um, and, uh, this is titled Wind and Window Flower. Hmm. Lovers, forget your love and list to the love of these. She, a window flower, and he, a winter breeze. When the frosty window veil was melted down at noon... And caged yellow bird hung over her in tune. He marked her through the pane. He could not help but mark. And only passed her by to come again at dark. He was a winter wind, concerned with ice and snow, Dead weeds and unmatted birds, and little of love could know. But he sighed upon the sill. He gave the sash a shake, as witness all within who lay that night awake. Perchance he half prevailed to win her for the flight from the firelit looking-glass and warm stove-window light. But the flower leaned aside and thought of naught to say, and morning found the breeze a hundred miles away. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, so I really like it as... It's, it's a fun... Like, I feel like you can picture... He does such a good job of, like, painting the imagery. Oh and, like, gosh, to, yeah. like you see the whole... Like, to me, I think of, like, those little Pixar, like, animation yeah, shorts yeah, or whatever. definitely. And, like, I could see them doing this as, like, one of those little shorts. And yeah. how cute it would be, like, the, the winter breeze and, like, the little flower. And, oh, I love that. Yeah. That's very beautiful, um, quaint imagery. Yeah, yeah. And, um... And and you can see in this poem, uh, just like how it's it just comes easy, like it's easy words. It's just how you would like. Obviously, the rhyming we don't rhyme so easily, but not normally. <laughs> but it's it's just it's not like it's not heightened in a way that it feels like this flowery, like whatever. Right, and, right. and I feel like that's what makes it especially quaint too. It's just like oh yeah, that's like that's how I talk. <laughs> well, it, there's something very. Um, Pleasing and soft to a rhyme scheme like that, mm-hmm. and the way that he has his stanzas set up. I'm assuming it's in stanzas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the way that he has the stanzas set up, I'm I'm sure it's like it's something you would hear, or that maybe we were used to in like nursery rhymes or children's rhymes. Right. So right. it's very pleasing to mm-hmm, our ear, mm-hmm. and it's very, very sort of like sing songy almost. Yeah, yeah. It's very easy for us to follow, mm-hmm. and so if we so to have that sort of music. Yeah. underneath the the vivid imagery that he's giving us of mm-hmm. course it would make you think of you know a pixar short how right. fun is that you know because right. those are those no, no words but all the imagery is showing you the story mm-hmm. itself and mm-hmm. i love that idea that's yeah a, that's a great hey yeah. if anybody's a, an animator hit us up oh my we God. do a little so cool. uh, do a little robert frost 
Pixar short for us. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. Um, I love um, that. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting too, just as far as when I was first thinking about some themes or a theme in it, was thinking about sort of unrequited love or love mm-hmm. that's like uh, we've talked about it in one of the other episodes. Love that's like not. I think it was Pablo Neruda, the one where um, it's like love isn't gonna wait around and like yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but then I was like, it also, cause with that last line, it's sort of, uh, morning found the breeze a hundred miles away. Could that possibly be, so it could be either that he like got tired and, and was like, I'm not going to wait for you, but it's also like, it was a very quick exchange. So is it about sort of the sometimes like momentary infatuation or something with right. love and, and sort of the flightiness of, of just seeing someone across the room and then being like. Well, then I didn't get their attention, mm-hmm. so let me move mm-hmm. on to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. we invest so much in the moment. Right. And then it's like, why did we think that this was so important two right. seconds later? You know? <laughs> like, or those relationships that last like two weeks, and you're uh-huh. like, oh my God, oh my I'm God, so, so up. It was so big. Like, when you're young, and like, right. oh, you know, those, those or feelings. Not are, even. Or, or today, when you see a really cute guy on the subway and you can picture oh your God. and you make that eye contact and you're like oh, you can, so significant you can picture your life with them and then they get off at the wrong stop because mm-hmm. you're supposed to get off together your and stop you, right <sighs> or you get off at the same stop and you walk in opposite directions opposite directions it's Ugh. like a big letdown every time dude you were you're supposed like, to follow me but not in a creepy mate. way <laughs> but like definitely not in a creepy way keep your distance mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. not in a weird distance way you know, just like a casual... Just exactly right. And tap me on the shoulder, but also don't ever interact with Do me Do not physically like, touch me in any way. Right. Tap me with your <laughs> eyes. <laughs> tap me with your eyes, baby. <laughs> I'd tap that. With, with my, my eyes. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Oh, dating is hard, okay, guys? Oh, God. <laughs> um, but so anyway, that was Wind and Window Flower. Um, I love it. I love that first line. Mm-hmm. Um, the lo- love, leave your lover. Leave lovers, forget your love and list to the love of love. these. I feel like lovers, forget your love is something that has been taken and put into a song lyric because as Could soon be. as you said it, I was like, oh, I had this image of either the fray or Coldplay. <laughs> I could picture both of those bands using really that line. You can really see my like taste in music. <laughs> I just really like sad, moany men, you know. <laughs> so hit me up. <laughs> Slide into the DMs, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> Unless you are actually the fray or Coldplay, I don't want you to be a whiny man. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were saying unless you were them, like, I don't want you, I don't want them to slide into my DMs. No, like, I'll I mean... take the commoner. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's, oh, that's, oh, Robert Frost. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll meet again. Good old Robert Frost. Yeah, I didn't even get to, like, finish. I, I honestly, I got this, um, I, and this one, and I have another, I have a book of Dylan Thomas's um, poetry, and I think I got it at... One of those good old, we were having like one of those firemen's fairs or whatever, like small town. No. What's a fireman's fair? Oh my God. So, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know that was. Is that like 
a rummage sale? No. So, like, the local firehouse will have a fair. I don't even think we have a local firehouse. Oh, my God. Uh, No, yeah, because it's, like, it's a volunteer, because it's not, like, a big city where it's, like, professional firemen who are being paid. It's a volunteer. Yeah. And so, to fundraise, they would have a fair in the summer. Yeah. And so, at the, I mean, we didn't call it the Fireman's Fair, but I also didn't really want to necessarily say the town that I grew up in. Right, right. (laughs) that's a cute um, name for it but it, it. uh yeah so so they would have a fair every summer for it was like the last weekend in july or they still do it um but the the public library would have a book tent uh full of books that were donated to them oh. and they would sell to people um and so i there were are tons of books that i would get at them because you could get them for literally like a dollar two dollars five dollars or something and they would have or they would have these deals like on the last day of the fair when they're trying to get everything out they would be like five dollars for a bag and you can fill it with as wow. much as yeah it was amazing um i collected so many books that i've never touched because i'm like yep. i'm gonna read this one day it's 50 cents let me buy yeah. it and my yeah. mom was like dear god please no <laughs> and now i think there's like a bin of books at my home that is now needs to be donated that most of them came from that <laughs> fair but so this book this robert frost collection and then I have another one from Dylan Thomas that I've like never read completely through but I've just held on to because I got it from the fair and I'm like I like poetry so um so yeah (laughs) do you like it I hate it it's really unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) I only came up with this idea to start a podcast um we have something very similar to that in our hometown. So I so you do, <laughs> but we don't have. It's not for the firemen. It's okay. for the library, and we call it the library lawn sale. Oh, and every, but there's not a Ferris wheel. No, it's we're not that big. It's not a fair then. No, it's a lawn <laughs> sale, which <laughs> no, is why I saying. said it's like. <laughs> so it's um, but they have like a big table in the middle of the. Lawn. Little lawn. (laughs) Coincidentally, yes. Um, In the middle of the lawn where they have the the lawn sale. (laughs) They have this big table of books. Yes. And for 50 cents, my sister and I bought a palm reading book. Like a how to read your palm book for beginners. Um, Palm reading for dummies. Yeah, but like almost that. And it's this little blue book. And we've opened it a handful of times, like a, oh, a handful ah! oh, of times. Um, and, and you know, we were like, it's one of those things where it's like, it was 50 cents. It'll sit on our shelf until we're ready for it. And I guess like Christmas a couple of years ago, we were ready for it. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. We read each other's palms. It was great. How'd it go? It went well? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I, ah, that's one thing I don't get. Palm reading. I like to think it maybe is great for somebody, but yeah, not for me. It doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. Not like astrology, you know. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Do you have any goodbye messages for us, Emily? I do. I want to do a special shout out to Zach Adkins. Thank Woo. you so much. If you guys like the music that is in the beginning and the end of this podcast and all the future ones, um, that's all thanks to Zach. Thank you for writing us little ditties to mm-hmm. send nice us little themes to send us out with, and um, we're very thankful. Uh, check out his stuff. We'll we'll post a link to where you can find him on Instagram and, and mm-hmm. maybe hear some of his stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Also, if you guys feel so inclined, if you like what you hear today and on all of our previous episodes, you can go over to our Anchor page uh, and click that support button, which allows you to help support our podcast journey. Um, and you can actually find that link pretty much anywhere, I think, at the bottom of wherever you find your podcast. In the description, yeah. In the descriptions. And uh, don't forget, like always, to rate and review us. It really helps us out, and we love to hear what you guys think of us. So keep them coming, and mm-hmm. thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. See love you next you. time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>